We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Friday to you. If you if you need an activity this weekend, I'll give you a Saturday activity. You can see one. you and I climb into K cars. Those are those tiny Japanese cars. And and I have never felt so out of place or large in a car as these K cars. We drive the uh, Suzuki Cappuccino and the AutoZam AZ1 in the latest episode. It yeah. is on tomorrow, Saturday, on the Motor Trend channel. I'm really excited for you to see it. If there's no other reason than to just laugh at me, Sasquatch, in one of these cars. <laughs> all right. Well, we were actually just on a patron call with all of our patron board members. Yeah, we the were. The largest mm-hmm. that we've ever had. If you're not aware that we have a patron page, we do. It's on patreon.com. If you'd like to go there and support the show, we do have a lot of supporters. Thank you all who do. And when you write to us, please note in the email that you indeed are a patron supporter so we can know that. Yeah, that's helpful. And uh, we were explaining about this upcoming episode, and, mm-hmm. and I think you should give the very quick story about the K cars and just getting getting used to them and getting into them well, and dealing with them just uh, just a sanitized I won't, sanitized go, I won't go into quick, the, the full version but but yeah. I will tell you I will tell you one quick moment when we got there the guy that runs Soto Moto South Downtown Motors in Seattle that has all these cars Adam is his name he's a very nice yeah, guy Adam's very helpful. great Adam's quite a bit smaller than us and what made me laugh is when I climbed in the AutoZam AZ1 for the first time. Now it has those are the one. This is the K car with the gullwing doors. Exactly. Okay, you've seen it in the intro it, already. It's for the, the Mazda stuff the with season. the gullwing. It's you've seen it in the teasers and all that. So it's the yep. Mazda with the gullwing, and so the gullwing doors are up. And I sat down at it, and he looked at me, and he went, <laughs> "Um." Let's see if we can get the door closed. <laughs> so that's never that was, a good sign. That was how it started. When we're starting there, yeah, and where I, we're, and, then, and then of course you're closing literally what feels like half the car because it's a gull wing door, and I'm watching it come down, just thinking, do I need to suck in? What needs to happen <laughs> <Do> here? I, <laughs> do, <laughs> Like, suck it in, I slam. Fit, but but uh, let's let's. It's going to be a limited amount of time. So that's that's on tomorrow. Happy Friday! Thanks for being with us on the podcast as always. Also, by the way, tomorrow supposedly mm. according to Amazon. Oh, tomorrow we have a new thing in the store. Oh yes, and I'm yes, very excited. For mentioning We've been working this, on this for a while. This is the white outlined vinyls of our logo for your car or your laptop or wherever you put vinyls. My son has one on his ski helmet, I which I that, forget about way. until he looks down at his feet and I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is again, so cool. which is very cool. But, but, but He's that, a big fan, by the way. Here, here's why I'll say that, because <laughs> I have a nine-year-old and dad has stickers. That's why. <laughs> That's He's a nine-year-old. So you're saying it doesn't really matter what it says? He, it's just have, sticker, You've right? seen his helmet. I was, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's got so many stickers, it's unbelievable. I want to get like back the entire, my helmet, too. <laughs> it's the entire so like, cool. pantheon of Star Wars characters in stickers. But when he got his latest ski helmet, of course, because... I mean, I wouldn't be doing Star Wars, per he, se. You, would, you definitely wouldn't. It'd He's growing more. like a weed, so he had to get a new ski helmet this year. <laughs> of course. And he goes, wait, Dad, can I have one of those everyday driver stickers? And I have a few, okay? But we have them for you now. Starting yes, on Saturday, yes. according to Amazon, it should be available on our Amazon store. You go to everydaydriver.com, hit the store tab. You wind up on our Amazon page, which is both our stuff and stuff we recommend. Those little vinyls will be there. They look really cool on your car. I've wanted these to be available forever. I'm so excited. They're there. It's awesome. A skiing helmet, a bike helmet, a motorcycle helmet, any kind of helmet. It'll do. Yes, yes. You too can have a sticker on your helmet. And thanks to our sponsors, we couldn't do this show without them. And it is Covercraft headlining for us for the entire season, Mm -hmm. as they have in past seasons. Also, Griot's Garage, if you use the code EVERYDAY on both of our sponsors, Griot's is fantastic as well. They make amazing car care products. I've used their products, I realize, for 20 years. It's insane, yeah. But but your uh, cars show it, too. I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so go to both of those sites, and when you check out, use the code EVERYDAY, and they'll give you 10% off, and we're good. So please do that. Make sure that they do see the code come through, Mm -hmm. and then it helps us because they see... You know, you guys actually using and buying products. Completely. And yes. it says, oh, okay, great. You know, this that, is, that's this good is, for us to know. This is how the capitalism of it all works. <laughs> that, that, honestly, this is how we get more show. Exactly. So thank you so much to those guys for the products that uh, genuinely you and I use. That's the other part of it. One more quick piece of business, and that is the films. Our pilgrimage and mid-engines and mountains films mm-hmm. are now available on Amazon Prime Video streaming. So those yes. are free on Amazon Prime. I still can't figure out 
Prime free versus not. There's Amazon Prime, Prime which gets free. you some free stuff, and then other stuff. The di- the difference is it's free essentially. On the difference Prime. is yeah, you can Prime, find just about everything on yeah. Amazon, and some of it will be free. Exactly. Whereas Netflix, everything you can find on there is free, but a lot of stuff isn't on there. That that's the trade off. So all yeah. the Porsches are turbos. Everyone, there you go. Just so you know, <laughs> we have fifty years of nine eleven on Amazon as <laughs> we well. We do, but that one's actually not. But free but on Prime. Two. Anyway, it's a separate thing. Yeah. These two, and would you please, as they're brand new, uploaded there, mm-hmm. if you would leave a rating and review on those two films. We've done it marvelously on the other three. Thank yes, you thank very, you much. very much. And uh, also the seasons. But if you would, as you start to consume those films and watch those, there are more of adventure films. And I will say, if you watch the pilgrimage film, we actually will take you this year. Mm-hmm. The trip is formulating. We are going to announce the dates and all the information yep, shortly. Yep. Thinking about another month from now. We're in late February right now, so we're mm-hmm. looking at late March, early April to yep. really put it. For sure, well, it'll be launched stone. by then. For sure, for sure. And uh, yeah, that was the film that kicked off the trip. Todd and I, Un- it hadn't us. occurred to us, <laughs> people said, after watching the film, I want to go with you guys on that trip and yeah, do yeah, yeah. that. So watch those. Leave the rating and review if you wouldn't mind. We've got an incredible podcast for you because we have two really cool debates. One yeah, from sure. Kyle in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's a new year. He's getting a new car, which well, is sure, pretty cool. Not? I like that uh, New Year's resolution. <laughs> We've also got Roberto, who is uh, looking for something for the family. Five mm-hmm. kids. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on there. There's, there's, there. You've limited your options. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So let's dive into Kyle's uh, debate here. He is writing to us from Raleigh, and he says, uh, you know, he's hoping we're enjoying the snow in Utah, but it's about 50 degrees there in North Carolina. He's been listening to the podcast, and now not 50 uh, degrees here. It is not. It's it's more more like five degrees here. It's kind of gotten cold. But yes, he's been uh, thinking about his own debate. Finally, written to us Mm -hmm. after been dailying his BRZ for about two years. He's ready for something new, and he said, "I've done a full exhaust upgrade, Edelbrock supercharger, which has made the car unique. Agreed, and very quick. Yeah, for sure. He says, "I need to stop with the mods. (laughs) Stop it." (laughs) He's realizing he's standing at the edge of the precipice, and he's about to fall over. So he's gonna he's gonna get out of this car he's gonna he's he's yeah. hoping to move on to something else not because he doesn't like it but he is realizing this is going to be a black hole so he's wanting something as fast and fun as the brz is on back roads and mountain roads but he'd like it to be a little more uh daily driver a little more gt friendly let, let's go cross country so can we kind of merge those worlds of fun fast you know tactile if you will with right. nicer place to be and you know he's he's done track days in this but if he could how about a nicer interior and the soundtrack of a v8 uh, <laughs> he actually even said and thank you for saying this what would a lexified version of the brz be i it is the rcf it's a, it's, it's a toyota product you're right actually. that's what the lexified brz is it's an RCF or just an yeah. RC three fifty. Well, it, it would actually, it would honestly be because because the RC three fifty is good, but I don't I don't love the dynamics. But you know what? I think it really would be if we really went a Lexified BRZ or FRS. It's the LC five hundred. Oh t- well, truly, yeah. With with the V eight, yeah, I can see that's, that. That's that's of course by this point we're you know multiples of his budget, which is about forty thousand dollars. Yeah, he's limited uh, to forty one thousand at the very top end. He's pref- preferring a manual, coupe, or hardtop convertible, mm-hmm. V8, linear power distribution. And he's had a Jetta TDI Cup Edition, he says, currently has the supercharged BRZ, and his wife is driving a Forester XT. So this car can be as impractical as humanly totally. possible. Totally. I love it. It doesn't have to do any of the normal life stuff, which is fantastic. The only other caveat we had here is his wife said, no Mustangs. <laughs> Apparently, she doesn't want him in a crowd of people is what's happened. Right. I'm sorry I had to play that joke. I just had to go there. Yeah. It never gets old. Yeah. You can have a Mustang and you can never go to a Cars and Coffee <laughs> or go to any car show you want. <laughs> and wind up as a viral video. These exactly. are your options. Yeah. Terrible. Exactly. All right. So. You might think that this is Corvette land, wanting a front-engine GT car. Totally. And we've got to acknowledge it. You've been, already been shopping for mm-hmm. the C7 Corvette. I read this email. Honestly, I read your email, Kyle, and halfway through I thought, you need to look at Corvettes. And in the next paragraph, you said, I'm looking at the C7 Corvette. Good. Good. I'm glad you are. The Lex- Lexus, the Lexified RCF, <laughs> the Lexus RCF, yes, already Lexified, came to mind when you mentioned that. And then I veered off into E92 M3 land. Oh, okay. And I found lots of options for you, Kyle. Okay, all right. Yep. Found a 2013, 19,000 miles. 19,000 miles. 
for $39,000. That's shocking. Now, that has the DSG, so I went hunting for the manual, and I found you a 2013 with 29,000 miles for 37.9. Hmm. They're here. They're finally under 40. Well done. Good, low mileage, great used E92 M3s. Hmm. So, you will be shoveling gasoline at this car. Yes, you will. And I'm just thinking, you know, you'd have a lot of fun with it. But then I had this wild hair. Okay. And I just thought, could I do it? I just, I don't know. Maybe I'd fail miserably. But I didn't. Uh Uh-oh. And I came up with a 2006... Aston Martin V8 Vantage Coupe with 26,000 miles, Ooh. manual transmission for $39,900. I wondered if you'd go there. That I hadn't didn't have that on my list, but I'm glad you went 26, there. 26,000 miles. Now, the interior looks old. I thought the interior looked old when the car was new. But strangely. it's still really nice. It's still great. Manual transmission. Materials in there are fantastic. It's an Aston Martin. The shape is timeless. Mm-hmm. They're still actually making the Vantage Coupe. Mm-hmm. In that same sheet metal, they've tweaked some of the fascias and that kind of thing. Well, I guess... No, it looks more like a catfish. They've gone to the well, new one. Yeah. I, I guess we're, we're finally onto the new version. I take that back. But it's still very much a modern, gorgeous, sleek, beautiful car. Yeah. And you can have one for forty grand. Well, and I, and I will say mm. this to back up your commentary mm. there. I don't think if you pull up anywhere in a, in a 2006 Aston Martin Vantage and you say to somebody, what year is that? They're going to say it's a 2006. Nobody's going to think that. <laughs> I mean, if you, you know, accidentally, you know, make a, a faux pas, you could say it's the Aston Martin Vintage, but, you know, <laughs> not, Honestly, not really. That's it still a great, looks modern. It's a fantastic interior. It is timeless. Uh, that's, that's compelling. Now, you're, you may be throwing money at that car to keep it running, but that is such a compelling Unknown. car. And this car doesn't have to do anything but be the fun car. 26,000 miles. The last time we joked about autocrossing a V8 Vantage, somebody, actually a couple of somebodies, sent us V8 Vantages being autocrossed in their local club. So it's not like you can't drive them hard either. Yeah, exactly. Sure, yeah. Seriously, I like the BMW idea, but having an Aston, Hmm. especially, Kyle, at this point in your life, how often will you be able to say, I I mean, you've... I'm trying to justify it for you. Justify you've, it. Yeah. You've killed it with the V8, by the way. You've done very, very well there. Those I are mean, two really compelling V8s. My my super wild hair idea. Okay. Okay. Was a Lotus Esprit V8. <laughs> no. No. I, I, and I love them. They and are I, not forty grand. Well. Well. And also, other Esprit S4s and SEs are. But yeah. But also, I think the, the maintenance big. of that is not going to be what you're going to want. You'd spend wow. an extra forty grand maintaining the thing. But you know that I just thought, okay, super wild and practical. Mm-hmm. But let's rein it back and makes an Aston Martin seem perfectly sensible. <laughs> Does it not? <laughs> <laughs> the sensible Aston Martin. It's really like a business suit, just like a really it simple is. one. Yeah, it is. The interior was great. It was that light tan interior, gray inserts on the seats. I love that car. It so doesn't much. have the emotion control unit, but it does have a really nice crystal start stop button right in the middle. It's an Aston, and the sound okay. will make you right. weep. The sound will make your neighbors weep. It will. Children will want to meet you, and who is this man with this great car? <laughs> James Bond lives on the flock. <laughs> totally. We're going to go with the jokes. Please do me a favor and get an Aston Martin in a color. There, I've said it. But uh, I mean, this one was gray. I've gotten plenty of hate for the fact that I want them to be a color. even if it's gray, you can have it wrapped. There, well, but the, I'm saving you money. At 39 nine. They'll take 39 They'll at, take 38 Even in gray, that is a sexy car, and I'm yeah. a guy that does not like gray cars. I do like that. Just, just wow. start up alone. Just, mm-hmm. just the start Fantastic. The growl. So, so Paul has solved, Kyle. Paul has solved your V8 problem. <laughs> I, I strayed, and here's why. Oh, you did. Because you said, Kyle, you said you, would, you'd, you want a nicer interior experience, you'd like manual transmission, and preferably, I stuck on that word, the sound of a V8. What I'm taking away from this is, and look, you've done a full exhaust on your BRZ. I did, uh, sound-wise, I did plenty of exhaust change on my FRS. I think you want a, an engine that has a better voice than what you have right now. And he's you're using thinking, V8 to You're thinking that. V8. And I, and I okay. don't disagree with that. Okay. V8s sound really cool. But I think if we find you a car with a good voice, I don't think V8 is as important. That's, that's what I take from you saying preferably the soundtrack of a V8. Okay, I can see I that. I think your C7 Corvette is a fantastic idea, Kyle. If yeah. you haven't driven yeah. one yet, please drive it. I think you must drive it, and it may be the car for you. But I want to give you some options. First off, just twisting the C7 idea a bit, 
if we are going to talk V8 and sound and engine personality, if that's what you're lacking in the BRZ, drive the prior gen, the C6 Z06 with the 7 liter. Mm, lovely. It's not as nice an interior, but it is every bit as good of a GT car with every bit as good a space. So if you're going to track this car, if you're going to also drive it cross-country, the C6, you said you've seen our American Original Corvette film, so you, you'll hear our commentary there. That big 427 or 7-liter engine, everyone to think about it, naturally aspirated V8, is an event. You're going to have to relate it to some sort of cool you know, World War II airplane because that's what it sounds like. It's, 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 a, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Quite aggressive. So at least go drive the C6Z06. Not as nice place to be. Obviously not as technologically advanced. But since we're talking engines, I thought I'd leave you there. As an alternative. Car wearing an engine. <laughs> Just about. Engine wearing a car, actually. Yeah, anyway, so there's, there's all that. Then I have two others for you that may seem like foregone conclusions, except they, they are also going to seem like curveballs to you, Kyle. You like the dynamics of the BRZ. That made me think of a car that we've talked about as feeling like it's related, like farther up the food chain, but related in dynamics. Mm-hmm. And I thought, could I find you one? Could I find you one? And I went looking, and I did. They're under forty-two grand. Their options out there: the BMW M2. I found what? it between M- M2s are. I found what? it between. I know that I knew that would frighten you. What? I found it between thirty-eight and forty-two. Now, not a lot. That's the bottom of the market. Thirty-eight. I found it between thirty-eight and forty-two. I had a couple of pages when I looked. You're kidding me. Now I looked nationwide. I, I expanded the search, I- but. You, you've got $41,000 as your top budget, and I was finding – I mean, there were a couple. They were you know, a little higher miles for an M2. I mean, not, they haven't been out that long. Running at 38, 39, and then at between 40 and 44, there were a lot. Holy moly. You're kidding so, me. So BMW M2. That car doesn't sound amazing, but it does sound nice. Were they manuals? Uh, I didn't dig in that far, but the short answer is yes. Um I can't speak to the numbers, but... <laughs> Suddenly, we're shopping for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kyle, thanks for writing <laughs> in, but... <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We're going to go now. The, the next 45 minutes of silence are brought to you by M2s. Anyway. Typing. Yeah. You're hearing typing. So, uh, so that's not a V8, but I think it's a compelling option. And then I have to say it. Please shop the, sec- the, the first gen. That's the 987 Cayman. Yeah. yeah because that it. has the fantastic classic Porsche Howell. It's going to have a slightly different dynamics than your BRZ because it is mid-engined, but it has a good flat-six Porsche Howell. And if you're going to go cross-country, done. Surprising amount of space in that car. You say you want a two-door car. Perfect. You've got the frunk and the trunk. You and I, Paul, drove literally halfway across country in your first Cayman. We did, yeah. So get yourself a really nice Cayman S 987. That's the first gen. And just enjoy. I mean, Kyle, you might if you're thinking Cayman, you might want to investigate the nine eight seven point two if you're freaked out about the O six to O eight. That's versions. the O nine and up, right? So yeah. O nine and further. And thirty six to forty can get you a gorgeous S. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. I Absolutely. mean it can't get you the Cayman R. No. Unfortunately. But, but, but who cares? That's fine. Cayman S you're going to be very happy. Cayman with. S, I mean yeah. you you'd get a really great example. Because I was thinking the early ones, they're not thirty, you know, nice ones are thirty. Mm-hmm. But go, yeah, 30, 35, somewhere in there, saving you money. Great sound. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. But. Drive homework, Kyle. Stuff mm, to drive. It's all and, good. and honestly, everything on this list is good. Your list, my list, it's all good. So go drive it. <laughs> it's true. I something mean, there's, you love there's not and a car on here that's, you know, you <laughs> what's should that back doing away? here? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so, so go drive all of those. Let us know where you wind up. And thank you for writing in. If you have your own car debate, it is EverydayDriverTV at Gmail. If you're writing EverydayDriver at Gmail, I'm sorry, someone's getting spammed. Okay? <laughs> I, I, I keep saying this. These I keep, people keep writing to I keep me. forgetting to write to that person. It just I just need to write them with a, with a the title line needs to be, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's you know. just copy-paste. So, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm EverydayDriverTV at Gmail, or you can go to the website, EverydayDriver.com. You can go into the about, about tab. There's the contact button there. We see all of those emails. Paul or I are seeing all of those emails. Even if you don't get your car debate covered, we have looked at it. The volume is quite large, <laughs> but thank you. That's what we've asked for. Hey, while we're here, actually, oh. I want to say something really weird okay. about rating the podcast. Oh, good. Okay. This is a personal weird plea, and I know it sounds bizarre, but we've almost, we've got like 991 reviews. I have to we look really? today. 
can 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 like ten of you get us over a thousand? Oh, I just like to great. see that comma. Yeah. I, that sounds weird. <laughs> I know it sounds weird. It, it it sounds a bit narcissistic, honestly. Now that I've actually said it out loud, but I just looked at it today and like that's really close to a thousand. And then I thought we could probably find nine Why people that think the show's okay. <laughs> So anyway, there, there's, that, there's that personal plea. But, but Kyle, thank you for writing, and we have another car debate coming up soon. A bit of a correction about Roberto's email here on his family looking for the family truckster. Mm-hmm. He has... <laughs> yes. We are shopping for the Griswolds. It's, it's actually Roberto Griswold. Thank you for writing in. If you don't get that joke, watch oh. the old Chevy Chase uh, vacation Awful. movies, and it will, it will be seared into your brain. <laughs> Didn't see yeah. that coming. I made a mistake. There are five total of them. Mm-hmm. Three kids, so five total. So they've got two kids over the age of 12, a new baby that was born a month ago, in parentheses. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh, Roberto. <laughs> you, you have a loving family, Roberto. I think oh, that's fantastic. So, funny. so yeah, there's, there's five of them. And, five total, yes. And, and the headline here is his wife saying, okay, there's five of us now, plus luggage, Maybe a friend. We have to go somewhere. We're going to go on a family vacation. Yeah. I don't think we have anything big enough. And when you hear the garage, I'll be honest, I was kind of like, really? Nothing big enough? But they want to go bigger. Family truckster is a great start. I mean, that's really where we're going with this. All right. So Roberto currently has four cars, two Alphas. Get this. He's got a 2017 Alpha Giulio TI. Very cool. He said, this is chipped with an aftermarket exhaust. This is the daily. That's a cool daily. Yeah, it's it a is. very cool daily. I love it. He's also got a 1972 Alfa Romeo 2000 GTV, which his dad bought in 1973, and it is now Roberto's. Very cool. Car. Holy moly! You've very got an cool Alfa garage here. Yeah, that must mean you're a true enthusiast. I mean, that's clearly what it's saying. <laughs> 2017 GMC Acadia Denali that his wife drives. So hang on, let's stop for a second. The GMC Acadia Denali mm-hmm. that is a depending on how you spec it, seven or eight seat minivan alternative from GMC. I had the first gen. My wife and I had the first gen. We right. sold that to get the Cayenne. Right. The second gen is nicer inside. They've refined some of the, the reliability issues. Actually, I'm probably going to do a comparo between my wife's Cayenne and the, the Acadia we sold. They both have 100,000 miles. That's right. Be interesting to do that. Interesting. But the, the updated uh, Acadia is actually even nicer than it was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but is still designed to be you need seven seats and you need room and you don't want a minivan. It seems like exactly the recipe Roberto and his wife need. They're thinking this isn't big enough. Which is crazy because I always thought of the Acadia as quite spacious. It is, but it's not as high as the market does go. Okay. All right. Well, keep going here. Last car, he's got an 05 Toyota 4Runner SR5. It is the V6. This is the bad weather driver. So he's got both of these, the Mm -hmm. Alpha Julia and the Toyota 4Runner, to cover his needs for driving. Yeah. Roberto, we don't know exactly where you're at, but that's all right, because you've got the cars to cover pretty much all kinds of weather. Yeah. And now his wife is saying she needs more room to haul the kids around, as Todd mentioned, enough space to go on the vacation all the luggage. The good news is she is 100% anti-minivan. <laughs> this is good news. Okay, like it, like it. But she's looked over here at a suburban Yukon XL, which in Roberto's opinion looks like giant Legos, and he said they're not fun to drive. True. No, they're not True. fun, but just think of the fun you're having as a family, you know? Hopefully, doing the yeah. Slug bug and, you know, punch bug and, <laughs> hey, kids, look at that, and, yeah. you know, the family stories. So, the, you know, define fun, right? Fair, fair, fair. All right. So what other family-friendly vehicles, trucksters, will offer the space they might need? Of course, they're a growing family. Mm-hmm. For reference, he says the Acadia's third row is not great for anyone older than six, although we've put larger adults back there. I've put back adults there. back there. It's, it, don't get me wrong. I don't want to drive to Vegas in it. By the way, Vegas is about six hours from us. I don't want to drive <laughs> to Vegas in it. But if you're, it, So that's the problem. But if that's just like road dinner. Trips, yeah, if you're going to dinner, it's fine. Yeah. Going out, yeah, that's kind of fine. So I understand we do have a situation where if we're driving cross-country, you're not going to like it. But wouldn't the two older kids be in the captain chair second row and the baby be in the back? Anyway? I'm, I'm thinking mm-hmm. this out loud here. I have, I have multiple thoughts on this, actually. I've got two for you that I think could really work, and they are neither the Expedition or a Suburban. Okay. Even though those would work, mm-hmm. and they're not minivans, yes. and they're great. They fit a lot of families' lives. Mm-hmm. They have grown very expensive. The new Hugely Expedition, so. yeah. the fully 
platinum lexified version of the whatever extra black label whatever they're calling yeah. it yeah we see them all over park city because they're the livery cars mm-hmm. the, the yeah. Uh, yeah yeah you know, airport trans vehicles you know transport yeah and uh they're like 80 grand mm-hmm. yeah insane i'm seeing a lot of the new lincoln navigators too i think people have really picked up on those they haven't gotten more attractive but they are nice inside <laughs> yeah uh i'm looking at this option that he's given us he could do a budget of 30K if they just flipped the Acadia, but more if he sold the GTV and 4Runner. Don't sell the GTV. I agree. That don't sell stay. the car. If you've got There's room no for, need for it. Here's the only thing. Do you drive it? Hopefully he drives it, but he's got sentimental value it wrapped does. up with it. His it dad does. bought it. I hope he but drives it. But how often, I mean, do you actually have the opportunity to own one? To sh- Unless sure. you're going yeah, yeah. hunting for them and you're yeah. into them and you're mm-hmm. ready for them. But just to you know, have in the family, how cool is that? Don't let They're that very go. Cool. They're very cool. I actually had a friend in high school whose dad had, I, hate, I can't even believe I'm saying this, his dad had one of the last Alfa Romeo dealers in the U.S. in Houston. Oh, really? And he had a 2000 GTV as his high school car. Oh, now, How cool is there that? were plenty of times when he was stuck after school because it didn't start. I will admit that. But when it ran, I drove it a couple times. It was spectacular. I wasn't even the car freak that I am now. And I was just all the oh time. I was just like, buddy, this is special. They're very cool. I went to school with Peter Carroll. His dad uh, had Ed Carroll Volkswagen and Porsche Audi in Fort Collins. Okay. And Peter always had the coolest stuff. You know, of course he did. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Here's the new GTI. And we're like, oh, my gosh. How cool is that? <laughs> anyway, that was pretty cool. All right. So if you sell the 4Runner and the Acadia, that's kind of where my headspace is at. Okay. Keep right. the alphas and get something new. And there's right. one in particular, one new one that's actually on the market. It just has been introduced. Okay. It's the 2020 Kia Telluride. And it's mm. like Kia builds an expedition at a lot lower cost with every yeah. bit as good bones and amenities. They start at 31, Roberto. And they're targeting that world a big, big they're way. They're exactly yeah. targeting. Yeah. And they know it's almost like – I'm not saying that Kia and Hyundai are picking up the scraps because it's not scraps. That's the wrong word. It's like all the enthusiast leanings that – Say Mazda Speed is a mm-hmm. great example. Mazda mm-hmm. is no longer doing Mazda Speed versions mm-hmm. of their cars. Mm-hmm. Along comes the N version from Hyundai picking yeah. up this yeah, yeah, yeah. this market that you know left a gap. They're seeing markets that other car companies are leaving, and they're going, well, then why don't we offer something right exactly. there? Exactly. I the, think it's a great plan. The Chevy SS leaves, and the Kia Stinger shows up. Exactly right. Yeah. It's all these little things. And so... You know, the the Navigator and the Expedition, they've gone really upmarket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A fully loaded Explorer is touching 60 grand Yeah, now. it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's astonishing mm-hmm. to me. So here comes the Telluride that looks great, by the way. It does look cool. It's not over-designed or over-styled. They start at 31, so by 40, you've got something well done, seven or eight passengers. Mm-hmm. It's a good size, but it's not a hulking Suburban. Yeah. I'm yeah, thinking yeah. they're going to sell a zillion mm-hmm. of these things. So I, I think, look at that. Obviously, it's very brand new. It's just being rolled out to, yeah, it's, yeah. to the market worldwide, honestly. It's like coming off ships as we speak. It's incredibly new, yeah. It's just actually just undergoing production. The second choice that I thought, Roberto, is the Dodge Durango. It's like Dodge mm-hmm. has okay. you know Suburban and Expedition on our minds, and they want something to compete, but it's not nearly as big. I think it's closer to a KDN size, though. It, it is. I suppose it is. But I'm just... Wondering if that could work. It's mm-hmm. it's a true seven seater. The Acadia has no space for luggage with the three rows activated. I think true. the Durango will have a bit more, and that's why I suggest it. Okay, you'd have to do a side by side. You'd have sure, to determine yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah. I'm looking at this Telluride going. This will be the sweet spot for a lot of families. Mm-hmm. The anti minivan families. This is where they're they're just mm-hmm. sliding right into that market. You're right though. If you price something below those suburbans and Yukons, that is a that is a gap in the market if you're doing full size stuff. You're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. weirdly, it's like between an expedition and a a um explorer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. the Explorer is five seats, mm-hmm. not quite big enough, but yeah. you don't want to pop for the expedition. Telluride. You get, yeah, you get the back row in the Explorer, and it feels like the Acadia. It's a tight back row yeah. at this point. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. I like that. Food for thought. Uh, Roberto, I want to give you the, the bad news real quick here. Uh-oh. Um, and I've had this conversation with a few close friends and people on the podcast and all this kind of stuff. Once, once you get past five seats, you get into seven-seat land. <laughs> I hate to saying? say it, but, <laughs> no. but you, they aren't fun to drive. They're just that's you kind of have to go. Well, that's gone. 
So then you just get yeah. – then you are shopping, yeah. your, your dad shopping in the world of what's going to be more fun than I expected is a different headspace than have you driven my Julia? It's really fun to drive. It's, it's, it's the, the big truck. Yeah. I like your truckster thing. It's the big truck that is more fun to drive and be in than you expected because you came in going, I'm not expecting it to be fun because it needs to be hulking. Right. This is the problem. I mean, this is the problem. You've got the fun car kind of covered. It's, yes, it's a tall order to ask fun from a large car. What? But it gets back to the conversations you and I have had about ride height and weight and all of these things. All of those are working against you because what do you want? Large space. Unless you go talk to John Hennessy and say, "Make me poor," and he gives well, but, you a thousand horsepower, but, whatever. Yes, but that now becomes a straight line beast. Yeah, and, and it's not. I mean, still, if you have a six thousand pound thing from John Hennessy that goes really fast in a straight line, <laughs> the corners are going to terrify you. That's true. They just are. They might be marginally better than most stock. No, cars, for sure. But, for sure. You know, yeah. still, but it's, it's still a mo- it's it's a shipping crate on wheels. It's still what we're shopping for, and they're well over hundred grand. I, I will say that the suburban and Yukon they do get this done, Roberto. Now, as you've said. They are huge. You may not like them, but they, this is this is the thing above your Acadia. That's what exists there. Pretty much, they are unfortunately yeah. very expensive. But that is kind of the obvious thing: the expeditions, the explorers. I mean, pardon me, the expeditions, the, sup- the suburbans. These are the things we're shopping in. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for you, I do want to say as an alternative, you're going to have to do side by sides, but at least drive the Volkswagen Atlas. Does it have more space in your Acadia? Because the is Acadia seven seater, between, oh so, yeah, I guess yeah, it yeah. is. Be, because between the first and the second gen of the Acadia, they made the Acadia a little bit smaller, nicer but smaller. Yeah, the yeah. Atlas is coming out directly to compete with just below the big full size Suburbans, and it's from Volkswagen, and it starts in the mid thirties. And Volkswagen is doing its "Please Forgive Us" apology tour for <laughs> Dieselgate, which is a six year. 72,000-mile warranty. Please let that be a T-shirt from Volkswagen. Yes. It's the world tour, the world apology tour. The Dieselgate tour. apology tour, yeah. We need that shirt. For sure. So so I think you should shop them. I'll be honest. When I've looked at these in detail, I feel like there's definitely some places where I can see they saved money on plastics in the Atlas, but they're sure. selling them really, really well. I see the a lot of them I know here, that actually. drive them seem to really like them. Really? And I suspect, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I suspect it's actually bigger behind the third row, maybe in the third row as well, than the Acadia is. I think it's worth looking at to see what you think. Hmm. And now I'm going to go a little nuts. Okay. A place none of us have thought of yet, but I'm going to throw it out there. How often, and this is a question for you and your wife and your family, how often is the Acadia too small? I'm, is it, I'm getting it for road trips. That's exactly. kind of where I'm... Is it a couple times a year? Because if that's the case... Do you need to change the car out at all? Are you suggesting rent a Suburban when they go on vacation? That's possibility. The other thing I thought of, we have a friend, sorry, side note, we have a friend that when they go on vacation, he has four boys. Yeah. When they go on vacation, they take everybody's bikes. Okay. <laughs> they do have a minivan, but at the same time, four big boys. His oldest boys are in college. There's yeah. four of them, okay? Yeah. They're all older than my son. My son is nine. Their youngest boy is 12. Yeah. Their oldest is in college, okay? Amazing. Four boys, summer vacation, driving from L.A. to Colorado. They do this every year, and they take bikes. This is one of those cars. I have told my friend flat out, I never want to see you on the freeway, and if I'm behind you, I will pass you as fast as I can because I'm convinced <laughs> something strapped to that car is coming off. I mean, you know, grandma's not on the roof rack on the not top of quite. the car, but also a vacation <laughs> reference. But but <laughs> not quite. But it is. But it is that way. But here's my 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 dial that back, Roberto, and ask this question: Those Acadias have got good tow ratings. What about one of those not trailers, those tow shelves? You know what I'm talking about? They're like two feet wide and as wide, two oh, feet long that, and as wide as the car that hangs the off hitch? the trailer hitch behind mm. the hatch. If your issue is luggage. And this is twice a year. Could you solve this this way? You can also do the roof rack. I know that's a possibility. Well, I mean, but the same difference. It's I'm like just the rumble seat attachment. I'm just <laughs> hooks up to your trailer. You, you put the kids that are misbehaving in the seats <laughs> exactly. out back. There we'll you go. You and the luggage is in the car. And you sit in the back. Exactly. If you need anything, just holler. Push the button. <laughs> Terrible. But no, I, I'm wondering if what about that scenario for the road trips? Either the roof That's rack or, or the trailer hitch thing. If this is a couple times a year thing, 
can you solve the problem that way and save yourself the cost and hassle of a larger vehicle you like less the rest of the year? I mean, the Acadia could just be right now, could be school runs, which means yeah. the whole family is not in the car. Yeah. But so if, that works. But if all five of you are going to dinner, there's no luggage. True. And if, then if, 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 if it's, it's a vacation, yeah, we know plenty of families that do this. They rent absolutely. The, the big boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and just you will, with the miles and the wear and tear, and we'll just mm -hmm. do the big one, and that'll be our... Our giant vacation truck. I really wonder if that's the only... Because I, I kind of feel that from this email, that that's the only time this is necessary. So I'm looking at... It, it comes mm. down to that thing you and I say about pickup trucks. If you need one three times a year, rent one three times a year. Sure. But it's that same scenario. Is there a way to get around the problem then and keep the Acadian now? Interesting. All right, Roberto, it's a question only you can answer, but really appreciate you writing in. Yeah, your debates or Topic Tuesdays, they all funnel towards Everyday Driver TV at gmail.com or on the website, everydaydriver.com, under the About tab, that contact button, but mm -hmm. then all the social media questions, which we're jumping to right now, and I just want to compliment all of you on the amount and quality of the questions. <laughs> Incredible variety on these two. Yeah, great for variety. Sure. For sure. Yeah, well right. done, you're everyone. Right. This is great because we, we ask for questions on social media twice a week. Yeah. So if you're not aware, and I think you are by now, we ask for questions on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And say, hey, what's on your minds? What's going on in the industry? You know, things that you've observed lately, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. funny stuff, that kind of stuff. What can we answer for you right now versus the car debates? And you guys have done an amazing job. There is a question I want to jump to right away from Drew please, M on Facebook, please. who asks, if naturally aspirated engines were to disappear tomorrow, which one would you take to preserve? Hmm. I have um, four. <laughs> okay. Can I... Can I get four? Sure, why not? <clears throat> Let's see where this goes. The first is a Type 35 Bugatti Straight 8. Ooh. Wow, okay. This thing is a mechanical fury. It's like a it's like a tank under the hood. Mm -hmm. Think of a, a sweet revving inline six. They rev really well. Yeah. And then add to that like a a not quite V8, but an eight-cylinder roar to that sweet rev. Okay. And then a whole lot of mechanical thrashing and flailing. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. I like the Porsche 917 flat 12, naturally. Yeah. Truly a yeah. Mesger engine. Oof. I also like the Porsche 804 flat 8. Kind of an Porsches unknown. Are on this list. <laughs> hmm. Just two. Just okay. two. All right. And uh, yeah, like that flat eight, totally different sound, different configuration. And what strikes me is the eight cylinder, the inline eight mm -hmm. that were, you know, in Packards and, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the long hood that dictated the styling of the car by virtue of the engine architecture. Mm -hmm. That's what I've always loved about those old cars. And then finally, a 1957 Ferrari Testarossa V12. That Ooh. whale, okay. nothing quite like that. All right. Wow. I, these just, are my engines. We're I'm, preserving these engines. Bravo. I'm going to leave that alone, actually. Unless it's a Spitfire engine, right? Sitting in the corner like a V12 Merlin something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Off of an airplane. Yeah, totally different thing. <laughs> uh, that's very interesting. Chris Cedars asked on Facebook. He said he just rewatched Pilgrimage. Thank you. He just rewatched it, and he can't believe how calm we were driving the Gimbala products. <laughs> they are quite crazy. Uh, so he's asking, do we ever get stressed driving high-end cars? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Mm -hmm. uh, and and what was the first car we were shocked someone handed us the keys to? I'll, I'll tell you right now, and I know I've talked about it before. To this day, one of the biggest surprises is, it's in our 50 Years of 9-11 film. A lot of numbers coming at you. Brace yourself. <laughs> the It's a 2011, right? The 2011 911-997-GT3RS40. With 500 horsepower. Yes. At the time we drove that car for the film... They were on their way up in value. Up. Crazy. The doctor consortium, it is literally a, a group of four doctors in the Salt Lake area that all went to medical school together and decided it's kind of genius to pool their money and to have a, a fleet of cars that they've all kind of bought together. This was in that con doctor consortium garage. Yeah. They were driving like 91 Civics and they told their wives or girlfriends mm -hmm. at that point said, you know, when we finally make it big, we're going to spend our money on hot this cars. Yeah. You know, so they have a warehouse. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they, the fact that they didn't really know us and they let us have this car. And I looked up what it was worth, which is a mistake. 
before we picked it up. <laughs> they were on their way up, and they were running $350,000 at that point and on their way up. They, they, they touched five for a bit. They've come down now since, but they touched 500000 for a bit. Yeah, woohoo. Uh, and we had that car for a day on a day that was spitting rain from people that barely knew us. That was nerve-wracking. Now, I loved that car, but that was genuinely nerve-wracking because I thought, I don't know much about this. And I know it's wickedly expensive. And they just gave us the keys. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, f- yeah I forgot about that one. That's that's up there. I guess from a press car standpoint, it was early, early in the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Nissan gave us their brand new GTR. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was exciting because mm-hmm. it was, it still is. Everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And then it was just the giant killer, the giant mm-hmm. slayer, Godzilla, all this stuff. And they yeah. said, here you go. We want you to try it. And when I had it parked in my garage for part of our press loan, I had a couple of neighbors that were like, oh, did you just get that car? Because <laughs> I went from the, the day before <laughs> yeah. they saw a 300ZX parked in the, in the in the slot, and the next day they saw a GTR. We're like, oh, yeah. no, 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 not mine. <laughs> How far not did mine. you take that? I was going to say. Like, no, I, I just okay. embraced it. We said, this is not mine. <laughs> All right. But anyway, yeah. All right. What do we think? Question from Alec V. What do we think about ice time trials, which is literally autocross on ice? Is it done here? And have we considered doing this? He just tried it in Vermont. He said it was pretty fun. We have not, as a matter of fact. We've heard of it, but, you know, I think um, anything on ice, anything drifty, slidey, <laughs> ice-related, bring it. Bring that. New. Anything on ice. <laughs> <laughs> T-shirts for that. Just just anything on ice. Whatever uh, you're doing, put it on ice. Funnier. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you tried that because that's an entirely different car control Completely, yeah. lesson, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And so, ab- great. Great job for doing that. I mean, there's actually a lot of winter driving schools around the country. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., there's the Bridgestone Driving School. I know there's one in uh, – I think that's the one in Steamboat, if I'm not mistaken. I know uh, a friend in high school took the one in Steamboat, and I would not trust him on dry pavement. But on snow and ice, <laughs> he fine. He was the man. <laughs> like, we actually had a wreck. He wow. turned into a yeah into a barrier when he was on pavement, dry pavement, but – he saved it. He was the magical driver when... But the minute it snowed, he was Senna. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, I can see I like the driving it. school paid off for you. That is very funny. That's very funny. Uh, Russell Givitin wrote in on IG and said, what's the best interior an enthusiast can get for under $15,000? Now, hmm. here's the thing, Russell. Uh, when you say enthusiast, I think enthusiast car, but that's not really where the good interiors live. So I'm just giving you an answer that is the best interiors you can get into for less than fifteen grand, and you need to shop because they plummet. You're thinking used at fifteen? Oh, of course. Okay. You need to shop the old high-end sedans, the Audi A8, the Mercedes S-Classes, the 7 Series, this kind of thing. If you're chasing a good interior to be in, and that's kind of how I'm reading your question, what's a good interior I could – you're buying an interior more than you're buying a fun car. That's True. how I'm reading your, your little question here. $15,000, buy one of those guys. You'll be amazed at the gadgets. How much can you get? How much car, <laughs> how much recent car can you get? I mean, for example, I actually just happened to pull it up. I have a page of Audi A8s in front of me. Uh, like a long page Luscious. of ones from, let's see, some of them are like 03s, but I've got like a 2012 here as well. Okay. S8, the 01 to 03 S8. A 2012 A8 is not an old car. No, no. And that's here for uh, 14.5. You're kidding me. No, it's got, it's got a, over 100,000 miles, but okay. <laughs> is that a yikes runaway price? Well, I don't know. I mean... <sighs> It's going to need something. Here's the thing we always say. I got a $14,000 out of you. You did. But Why it was is it sitting in your driveway? But it was a $100,000 car. And when you need to get something fixed, you're fixing a yeah. $100,000 car. That is the yeah. trade off. But if we're chasing nice interiors, that's where to shop. Yeah, for sure. I actually just came across a 2008 BMW M5. Okay. E60 M5. Okay. Uh oh. That e- is a runaway car. But keep oh, going. Oh, man. 80,000 plus miles. Okay. For nineteen grand. It's because of that that's the V ten nightmare, right? <laughs> it's the V ten nightmare. Yeah. Nineteen. That's what grand. that license plate should say on all of the V ten nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> this is a ninety one thousand oh. dollar car brand new. Uh yeah. I'd it'd be cool. It'd be cool for about five minutes. <laughs> all right. Uh switching over to Instagram here. Tim D. Marsh asked me, what do I think of the new super re- refresh? 
I'd call it less of a refresh than kind of a new car, but yeah. I take your point. And should it have looked more like the Mark IV? So the last generation okay. yeah. or the prior, yeah, yeah. the mid-90s generation. And the same question goes for any refreshed classics like the NSX and others. Tim, I'm going to put it into the category of our iPhone use. We have okay. all become so used to our eyes flitting to the next thing mm-hmm. and going mm-hmm. to the next subject. Mm-hmm. Car designers have taken note of this and car designs have gotten busier. I'll be honest. Hmm, Things have gotten that. busier okay. for the purpose of visual interest and distinguishing cars. Hmm. I, lo- I love those designs. Clean surfaces intersected by a shut line and then a graphic hmm, that becomes hmm. a headlight or a taillight. Hmm. But it's just the surface quality alone that makes you appreciate the Honda S2000, NSX, Supra, whatever that is. Mazda RX-7 is a great example. Mm-hmm. But then look at today's cars, and there's a lot of visual busyness going on. In some cases, too much. It's just overwhelming, but that is now defined, and that's what we're used to looking at. We're used to switching apps so quickly. Mm -hmm. Our eyes Mm -hmm. and our brains are so used to, on to the next, on to the next. What's next? I'm bored. After five minutes, I have watched a girl actually get out of her car, park the car, and the three seconds from walking into the restaurant, she was looking at her phone going, you're that bored just walking three steps into the... It's a sidewalk. It's, <laughs> life is not that boring. <laughs> she got a text message. Maybe she waited. Maybe, like, look, what could you have credit. possibly consumed that was worth your time slamming your door, clicking the lock, I, walking I will, I will the try. I will try to defend her real quick. And, she and didn't read the text girl. message in the car. She waited until she parked. She read it between the car and the door. I'm trying to defend her. Good. You're safe there. Maybe it's, maybe she was doing everything like right. You, you needed yeah, to glance at your point. phone to ch- what? Yeah. Okay. It, okay. But I yeah I come back to the the visual clutter of that. things, and I we're so that. now conditioned mm, to more mm. visual clutter that it's become mainstream and commonplace. And for yeah, a clean design okay. to come out, I think would shock people. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Now I like the Supra. There's a lot going on. Oh yeah. As far as all that is concerned, it's clean. (laughs) It's a clean mess. But (laughs) compared, I wouldn't go that far, easy. But compared to the the '90s cars, there's there's it's busy. Yeah, busy for sure, for sure. Two quick questions on Facebook too, because one of them is kind of a business question. Chad asked on Facebook. He said he used to download the podcast from Podcast One. He wants to specifically download it, not stream it. Oh yes, good. He can't get on Podcast One anymore. How does he download it? You can download it directly from iTunes. I know that because that's what I do. I don't stream it either. I pull it from iTunes as a download. You Mm -hmm. can do that. Otherwise, go to Anchor. Anchor FM, if you go to our website, everydaydriver.com, and you click on the podcast links there, you'll wind up on the Anchor page. Anchor will allow you to download it as well. I think they also have an app. I don't have it. I think you have it. They do have an app, yes. Yeah. yes. So all of those will allow you to download instead of uh, progressively stream it, so that should work. Uh, Lucas wrote in about a thing you and I have talked about before, so I want to touch on it quickly. Our thoughts on first car for a teenager? This mm, is, a, this is yes. a dad debate. Is bigger better because I've got a bunch of metal around my baby? Or is smaller better because it's easier to maneuver? We typically say smaller because it can't get away as easily and you can learn to drive it. I understand, look, and I'm also a parent, I understand the I want this to be a train car that fills up with uh, every airbag possible (laughs) and somewhere in the middle of the stadium is my child. I get that. But I have watched kids driving huge cars and having trouble putting them in the lane properly and they're unwieldy because they are so big. True. I think small stuff is better and I highly recommend manual transmission because there's more to do and you can't text or get as bored or fall asleep as much. I mean, you aren't actually asleep, but you know what I mean, zoning out, mm-hmm. because you still have to shift gears. You have to think about this. So I say smaller and so you can handle it and manual transmission and then driving school. Yeah, absolutely. All right, there's a question on Twitter from Terrence C. asking me to help him understand the 2020 Corolla <laughs> XSE front fascia. Help me understand, Paul. Help me, <laughs> Hashtag please. Hashtag SOS says, I'm a weird car guy. I can't even. Well, breaking this down very quickly, I would say look at some Toyota products that are in Japan only, specifically mm. the van called the Velfire with a V. Yeah. V as in yeah. Victor. Velfire. Yeah, yeah. This is a box. 
Yeah. That looks like crazy Superman styling. It's it's nuts. How it's a box. It's a van. How on earth did you pull this off? Lots of chrome. That is kind of the sta- <laughs> that is kind of the standard. I mean, you know, the Gundam figures and all the crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, anime toys, whatever. This is kind of the standard for <laughs> how did you pull this Japan. off? Lots of chrome, <laughs> sprayed chrome in the general direction. When you go to Japan, there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Again, visual interest, visual clutter. So the Corolla, in comparison, looks quite staid. But I will say that grill shape, look at the grill shape. I believe this was a mandate to start with that grill shape because yeah, Toyotas up it. to this point have been kind of floundering as far as what kind of intake shape are we doing? <laughs> What's our corporate grill? I've got an ugly one for you. Let's put this on there. <laughs> so think of, is the car designed from you know the back to the front or the middle down to the front? Is the sketching mm-hmm. done from the greenhouse down and we're trying to resolve the front? Or, in the Corolla's case, I believe they were starting with this grill. Interesting. And then the XSE particularly has the outboard intakes that are boxed. My Cayman GTS is a perfect example. The intakes are kind of a rectangular boxed shape. This says Group B rally cars. This says performance. Mm, Okay. Anytime you see those outboard uh, intakes, yeah. they're kind of a boxed-in, flared shape. Okay, But then we've got the rest of the Corolla styling. And <laughs> then we have the rest. <laughs> that's got to work. There's so many different shapes going on that mm-hmm. I agree, none of them really relate to each other. But the XSE version has the, the performance intakes on the side. We've already established the grill. And then these new headlight designs with surfaces that begin and end to nowhere. So... <laughs> You know what the edges need? Intakes. I I understand. I'm I I understand what you're going through and it's probably not helping your your breakdown, but look at the grill. Start with the grill and then let your eye travel from there. Instead of looking at the car and then working your way towards the front, start there and then look. Okay, we've got to make those try to resolve off the sides and then we've got to yeah, make yeah. the headlights kind of integrate and then we've got to work back so that the hood is just going to be flat. And then the sides are just, you know. Yeah, and if we're going to leave that grill shape, we've got to figure out what to do elsewhere. Yeah, I see where you're going. By the way, I say flat, but no surface on a car anywhere is actually flat. Every surface has crown in two directions. Wow, okay. It can look flat. Yeah, take your point. But if it is, it'll look concave. It'll look strange. Sure, truly is. Sure, if it's really flat. That's an interesting point. Wow, great. Uh, Damn it, Patton asked about a track day question. I thought this was good. He is looking at the weather forecast for his first track day this weekend, and it's saying 50% chance of rain. Uh-oh. Uh, any tips for driving in wet conditions? First off, brake earlier. <laughs> that is my biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. Brake yeah. earlier. Uh, I would just say give yourself more distance. And But then I, after that, give yourself more distance in your braking especially. But after that, I'm also going to say don't be afraid of the fact that the car is losing traction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Give yourself space so that if when that happens, okay. The other thing I will say to you is typically the racing line is the driest place on the track. True. If you're online, you'll probably have more grip. I mean, all, all the way up to F1 guys. Yeah. When the yeah. F1 guys pass, one of the reasons it's so treacherous for them to pass in the rain is because the line is the dry part. Exactly. They're getting out into the mess to get around people. So once you learn the line of the track, if you stay in the line, you'll be better off. That helps as well. Jackalope Man on Instagram asks about the hype around Ford bringing the Bronco back. And is there a real opportunity for an automaker to challenge Jeep in a real way with a truly off-road capable SUV? He's questioning whether or not we think Ford will bring the fight to FCA for a piece of this segment and challenge the off-road king. Or are we just simply looking at another sort of a retread, a Toyota FJ, and he says where we're going to not get something too great. We get a box of plastic and a weak body that can't hold (laughs) off-road. Although we did see FJs on the trail on fins and things at Moab. Much to my surprise, and they were doing well. And forerunners are bomb-proof. They do trails all the time. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. I think because the Bronco early on was established as kind of both, it could do the hauling and the towing Mm -hmm. capabilities – and it could do the off-road articulation pretty well, that okay. it has its own niche. I don't know that it needs to go challenge a Wrangler. Mm. The Wrangler is going to be this nimble mountain goat all over the all over the rocks. A Bronco is bigger than that, but yeah. it carries a whole lot more stuff, and it can tow more. And I think they both have their place, and I do think mm. Ford will acknowledge this personally. 
be very curious. Based on what I've seen, yeah. I think Ford will acknowledge this. Unlike Chevy, who brought the Blazer back with Camaro parts. Well, you know, it needed to. Be. Everybody's buying uh, SUVs, so we have we have a, we have a name <laughs> brand that we want to bring back. <laughs> How do we? Oh, anyway, yeah, okay. Uh, Jerry Air on Instagram thoughts on installing aftermarket seats in modern cars. Mm. He wants more headroom more than anything. He knows that we talk Glad about you're seats covering a lot. This. He wants more helmet room. He wants some more comfort. What's the deal with airbags, occupancy sensors, seat heaters, blah, 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 blah. The big question is, are you okay losing the electric part of your seats? Because that's where it's really heavy and takes up a lot of space. True. Are you okay with losing the electric part, and do you need seat heaters? Because your aftermarket seat probably won't have those. Uh, occupancy sensors, most of the time, you can, there are workarounds. You can kind of plug that sensor, and so it doesn't... Trigger the why? Why does squirt some JB There's, Weld in there? And you're good. No, there are right? and, and some the forum can help you. I'm sure for whatever your car is. You don't say what your car is, but I know that if you have occupancy sensors, there are always ways to kind of wire them back to themselves, so it just assumes there's somebody there. Because some cars, you're actually in trouble if it doesn't know somebody there. That's the biggest issue I can see. I mean, you have to have a real question about if you're changing the seats. I'm suspecting for helmet room. I'm suspecting this is because it's a car you track a lot, mm-hmm. and at that point, I say why not? And you're willing to lose those features. That's my suspicion. I don't think there's anything wrong to find better seats. Some cars, the Lancer, uh, the seats are great. The seating position is not. You just have to deal. Great question from Charlie K N Y C on Instagram. Charlie, thanks for this. He's been reading about the new Mazda three. And he's having trouble understanding the torsion beam rear suspension and why this has returned. Mm -hmm. We, enthusiasts, demand a performance car to have an independent rear suspension, or IRS. But if this torsion beam is the low-cost compromise that squashed the fun in 10 million Corollas, how does the Fiesta ST manage to turn in so sharply, rotate so well Mm -hmm. on the same piece of inferior tech? We've talked about this before. Yeah. We have mentioned this before. Specifically in the Mazda 3's case, I went hunting. And I found an interview from uh, actually a friend of mine, Julian Montusset, who's the director of design for North okay. America, and some other interviews they've done with the chief engineers. Now, it does have a lot to do with the new space and the new packaging of the car. Okay. When the marketing team comes to you and says, we want to advertise more space and better interior capacity, um, that problem. affects the engineering. Yeah. But the main two things that I'm reading are, first of all, it's, I, I think, I believe what I'm reading is Mazda has a patent on this particular design mm-hmm. that has a, a center thickness that is larger than the side. So it kind of oh, it tapers, tapers out. out. Okay. And they've got a patent on this, wanting to be able to use this, but more so, it's less for the engineers to tune. It's less mm. mounting points than an articulating full independent rear suspension. Of course it is, yeah. And as you pointed out, the Fiesta ST has mm-hmm. done this. Mm-hmm. So for a car that is not going to be a Mazda speed, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily tracked. Yeah. And they want more space in the interior. It's less about low cost and more about having less points to tune to make a good result. And if you, you know, if you're giving them, you'd think more would be a better result. And in racing, of course, certainly yeah, you've got yeah, more yeah. choices. But for what the car is, the purpose of it, it's the trade-offs. That yeah. is where the trade-off is coming into play. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding where Mazda is. It's all these fine, you know. Points, the attachment points, less of those to get right and more of a, you know, let's utilize our patent, mm-hmm. you know, make better usage of space and then totally. still be able to make a great handling car. And from what we're hearing so far, it is excellent. We've let's just got to so. go find out for ourselves. Well, and, and when we mentioned this before, and you've mentioned it already in your question, we as enthusiasts, you're right. This is one of our rally cries. Everything must be manual. Everything must have IRS. But but there are good cars with automatics, and the Fiesta ST being a great example, and that Magan we drive on the ring is another one. They, yeah. Where the torsion beam front-wheel drive car actually is brilliant. So there are exceptions to every rule, for sure. One of the program managers was saying it's, it's less variables with the torsion beam. Sure, I can see that. Which you can argue... I bet you that packaging was the primary driving force, to be honest. That's a lot of it. But I, it I isn't, don't see it as But cost. it isn't a death blow on any car. No. It's proven, yeah, for sure. No, and I guess my biggest takeaway for a question like this is imagine drum brakes. The tech is old. I'd rather just imagine them. They're not fun to use. Sorry, I go know, on. I know, I know. I, I, <laughs> Separate thing. I misspoke. I'm I didn't having mean flashbacks. to bring those up. Go I, on, sorry. I yeah. misspoke. 
But imagine drum breaks. Mm-hmm. I'll stick with this for now. Do it, yeah. It's old tech. But imagine drum breaks designed from the 40s, okay. the 50s, yeah. earlier than that. And imagine a modern company like Brembo reimagining drum brake technology and what they could do with it. Okay, fair point. The theme is the same, yeah. but the execution will be vastly different. I see your idea. Same yeah. thing with a torsion beam. <laughs> yes, it's old, inferior tech, but imagine a company reimagining how it can work. They could have so much more, get so much more out of it. My my Prius <laughs> has carbon fiber rear drums. <laughs> <Can you imagine? laughs> this has the carbon uh, fiber brake package. You mean the drums? By the way, the anyway. very first generation Prius did have drum brakes in the I rear, as a matter of fact. I know it did. That's why the I brought it up. The tech from the future has yep. drum brakes yep. from the, the 30s. The front half of the car was really, really high tech, and the back half of the car was ba- balancing it out with car- with tech from the 50s. It, it kind of averaged out. It was great. It's like yeah. a car that's dragging its knuckles around. It like, kind duh. Of, kind what? Of, yeah. <laughs> this is tech from the future. It's I'm really smart, but don't make me go outside. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. That was the first generation. Guys, thank you a million for all your questions. We hope you have a great weekend, and we're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.